1: Good morning Lighthouse, um, I just my name is Eva Centeno for the ones that know, don't know me and alongside my handsome husband, one of the music directors that sings so beautifully up here, um, and um, our six children we call Lighthouse our home. Um, it's been a journey, um, being a part of Lighthouse is truly a blessing and I also want to thank our pastor Josh and his family, his wife, for just believing, giving me the opportunity, and trusting me with um, to share God's word to all you to all of you today. Um, you can take your seats. <laughs> so today, um, yeah, shout me out because I'm extremely nervous. I'll be here. <laughs> I I did this last year at Emerging Voices over the tent, and for some reason, I'm like, there's something about the room, there's something about, like, this formality, I even dress, like, you know, like, I don't know, like, if I was gonna, I don't know, I thought it was appropriate <laughs> for the occasion, but um, I am going to be reading off of the book of Luke, if you can open your Bibles, follow along, and today, I've The message is um, the way of trust. And I'm going to be reading off Luke 5, um, chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. But before I read this, I want to tell you a little story. And I want to be completely transparent to you today. And um, since I'm going to be speaking about trust, um, how, how many of us have trusted in someone? Or, you know, trusted that somebody was going to come through and they let you down. Or you trusted that something was going to happen and or perhaps that God was going to answer a certain way that you thought he was going to answer and it didn't happen. Or you were hoping and trusting that God was going to do that miracle that you so thought, that you so believed that he was going to, you know, perform for you, and it didn't happen. And it let you with disappointment and quite, you know, hard to build that trust again. I've been there. I've been there many, many times. A little story of mine, which I have a lot of stories, Growing up, I grew up with um, a very interesting father, you can say. He was um, just, I would say, a father that wasn't responsible. He had a lot of bad habits. And um, because of that, that led me to distrust. Because everything he said and he needed to be as a father, he wasn't. So that led me to... Create this distrust and distrust in people, distrust in men in general, distrust above all, distrust in God. So I didn't trust God. I knew He could do things, and I've been in my church all my life. I was one of those kids that slept under the pews, and and um, you know, and but I knew He could do great things, but I never trusted. And believe that he could do great things for me, and till one day he did. (laughs) And but let me let me read um, Luke five and six. So it says, Luke uh, chapter five verses four and five. I'm sorry. When he had finished speaking, um, this is talking about Jesus. Jesus, when he was um, he had just finished speaking to Simon. And he told Simon, put out in deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, I've worked hard all night and I haven't caught anything. But, but, because you say so, which is really interesting to me because he said, but, because you say so, I will let down the nets. So I want to give you, since I'm in college and I have to, you know, show that I'm in college, leadership college, (laughs) um, I want to give you a little bit of context because if you know Pastor Josh, it's all about content and all about telling the story. And so what's happening here is that Jesus is, Jesus had been speaking to a multitude of people and he had been by a lake. And um, and then he sees, um, for Jesus, he had just been speaking to people, and then he arrives at lake. well, he was there in the lake, and then um, Simon, for Simon, it had been a long night and morning of fishing, and he had caught nothing, not one fish, and to tell you a little bit of Simon, Simon was like generational fisherman, he was like a master in fisher. His father, his this was a business. Like that's what they did for a living. He was, he, it was his professional. He was, you know, um, he knew all about fishing. So you could have imagined. Um, I'm a professional. I've fished all night, and here I am, and I caught nothing. So imagine Simon's state of mind. You know, for a moment, he's tired annoyed he's probably just frustrated because now he has to respond to the roman empire that tax him for everything they're not going to believe him that he didn't fish i wouldn't believe it's like did you you know steal it or something you know so now he has to respond to the roman empire and tell them why he didn't catch any fish and here's jesus right here comes jesus always asking us to do impossible things and um, things that we don't know if we can do. Can I trust that he can do that? Can I trust that that he's going to see me through this? Well, let me tell you, Jesus comes and he tells him, um, hey, Simon, he gets on his boat And he's like, hey, just go a little inside of the water, you know, Simon. And he goes inside, and Jesus decides still to do a long message. And imagine Peter, I mean Peter, imagine Simon, you know, so frustrated. It's like, really, Jesus, you're going to, I'm tired. I want to go home, you know. I haven't caught anything. But um, he finishes, and he says, Simon. This is when it comes the the verse that I just read. When he was finished speaking, he said to Simon, "Put out into deep water, so tell your neighbor, your neighbor, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch." Simon answered, "Master, I worked all night and I haven't caught anything. But because of you, no, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. So repeat with me. But because you say so, I will let down your nets. And today I just want to, today I just want to tell you how many times have God asked you to obey, asked you, and you give him all the reasons why not to or why not to trust him for me it sounds like you don't understand god i've been hurt i've been betrayed i have trust issues i'm inadequate and i can go on and on and on the list or even like god i asked you i prayed I believed. I had faith, and you didn't come through, God. Like you didn't, you didn't give me the miracle that that I was hoping for. You know, am I alone in this? Have any, has anybody been there before? I know I have. I know I have. But the way of trust is through surrender. How um, I was let me tell you what surrender means in one of the many meanings that I read. It says, completely give up his own thoughts, ideas, and deeds to the will and teachings of a higher power, the Almighty God. And for those of us, or those of you, that like to control things, and they like to maneuver things, and they, that it's all about keeping control, it's hard, right? It's hard. It's, it's hard to let go of things. It's, like, it's hard to, to let go of what we know, what our knowledge is, what our situation, our circumstances, is telling us, and to just surrender everything to God. It's hard. It's I'm not going to, you know, I've been there before. It's like you, you start just telling God. If you're like me, you just start battling with God and God, but there's God about that. And um, I almost, if I can be honest, I almost called Pastor Josh past week and said, Pastor, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Why? Because I get so nervous and because... I've learned that I rely on my own understanding. I rely on what I know. And if I rely on what I know, I know that more than I know, that I know nothing, the Word of God says. Right? And and I know nothing. And I have to rely on the Almighty God. And Jesus tells us today, trust me. So I believe that Jesus was telling Simon, like, I know you've had a long night, I know it's hard. I know that you haven't caught anything, but I'm inviting you. Just like, trust me. Do it again. Trust him. And today, I just want to tell you, um, I want to tell you that God is calling you to deep waters again. However may life look for you, whatever circumstance, situation you may be going through if you're dealing with heartbroken a broken heart if you're dealing with a difficult situation in your life i call you to surrender completely to god everything that you know everything that is in front of you if you think things are against you if you're if like pastor said earlier if the doctor gave you maybe bad news whatever it is whatever it is i can tell you that god will come through and he will be there with you um and um I want to end with this proverb from um a very wise man that says Proverbs 3 and I will I will ask you and encourage you to lean on this um proverb and and take it as a some, a prayer in your life that can you know pull you through things, and it says the Word of God says in Proverbs: Just in the Lord, trust in the Lord with all your heart; lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him. In all your ways, submit to Him. Everything, what you know, what you don't know, and He will make your path straight. Because he knows best. Because he has our best interests, right? Because he's the almighty God. Because you might have lost trust in people, in circumstances, but you know what? You can trust him. Because his character is beautiful. Because his character is loving. Because, his char- because he sent his only begotten son for you. Who would do that for you? Who would? Nobody would. And he did it. So today... I'm going to end with a prayer. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes right there with your eye. And I want you to just, whatever this may look for you, and um, close your eyes. Master, I've held on to pain, distress for a long time. But today I trust, and maybe I've trusted my own knowledge and understanding. But this morning I want to surrender all to you, what I know, what I don't know. Help me trust you even when I don't understand the next step in my life. And today, this morning, I want to leave you with that. Trust even when you don't understand the next step in your life. God bless you, Lighthouse.
0: Good morning, Lighthouse. In case you didn't hear, Pastor Peter, my name is Carlos. Uh, uh, I'm uh, one of the music directors here. Uh, me and my wife and I uh, also have been calling Lighthouse home for for quite a while. Um, we also serve with students. Uh, so. I want to thank Pastor Josh, all the leadership team here for giving us this opportunity to speak. Um, it's been such an honor and, and to work with everybody here and watching everybody come up and, and give their, uh, their testimony and, and giving their sermon. So um, I'm gonna, today I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 6. And the title uh, of today, what I'm t- talking about today is uh, The Way of Relationship. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 6, and says, uh, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do we have any hypocrites in the house? No, oh, okay. Just, I thought we can get him, Pastor Josh. I thought we can just. Uh, there we go. Watch out for those guys. You know, uh, when I was reading through these scriptures, I think sometimes we we read uh, our uh, scriptures sometimes, and we tend to miss a lot of the meaning that Jesus was really trying to tell us. And uh, what we're reading here is one of the many times where Jesus is specifically uh, addressing a cultural and religious problem that was having in those days. Now, what was happening was that uh, you had a lot of people saying that they were the part, but they weren't necessarily actually being the part. So what we're seeing here is that he's, he's first he's addressing it during uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and he's kind of like getting everybody ready of how he's going to tackle this issue that the people would just do the rituals, come and do all the things they needed to do, check off a list, things off their list for the week, and then go back to whatever it is that they wanted to do. But we know that that's not the heart of God. We know that that's not the intention that he had for us. So in verse 5, he gives the example of the type of people who were very visible to, to others when it came to something like prayer. So he's given this example of the prayer. And he says that they love to let other people know how much they love to pray. And then in verse 6, he hits on a point that those same people that pray that, and, and do it in a manner where everybody else can see them, Those are the same people that aren't taking the extra step and really coming into an intimate moment with God. And he's telling them, and I think we should preface this. He's not saying what they're doing necessarily is bad because we should pray in a community thing, right? We love to pray. Lighthouse is a prayerful church. We love to pray here. And uh, we show that with our ladies' prayer, our men's mornings' prayer. Our students started praying uh, on Wednesdays now. We love to pray. There's nothing wrong with it. But what he was trying to point out is that just because you're doing it that way doesn't mean that's the only way. And really to check what you're, how you're doing it, how you're approaching it. Because we can all get up here and, and look the part. But we know that God can discern our hearts and our thoughts and our intentions. So, and... The interesting part about it, Matthew 15, he also calls the Pharisees hypocrites again. And he says, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And one of the interesting things that I read about um, in doing some research is that hypocrite, I, w- I never really bothered to look up the, the definition before, but it, one of the words that alludes to it is actor. We all know that actors pretend to play something that they're not. And really what... God is really wanting to do is be in a real relationship with each and every one of us. He wants to get to know the real us so we can get to know who he really is. Can you turn to your neighbor and ask him, are you a real one? Are you a real one? You can turn to the other neighbor and say, you must be the the other one. The other type. No, 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 we don't do that here. We don't do that here. You know, how many times do we see in these crime documentaries... I don't know if you guys ever seen this. My wife loves these crime documentaries. I don't know if she's taking notes or whatever, but she, uh, I, I love that every single time they interview a neighbor, a friend, or a family member, that when they interview the suspect's family or friends, they always go, I never would have thought, or I didn't, had no idea any of that was going on, and it's very interesting to me how, like, you can be so close to someone and not know who they really are. And so one of the first things I'd like to just point out is in the next slide. It says uh, that your proximity to the places or people of God does not equal intimacy with him. And it's so important to get to, to know this because you can, again, you can fall into this routine of coming to church, of saying amen, of singing along to the songs that we're singing up here. You can do all the right things, but do you really know who he is? Are you really trying to take another proactive step and there's a couple of things that we, we can do to make sure that we don't fall into that and so on the next slide we have to be proactive in these areas we have to seek him we know that we have to in Jesus in verse five he says just go into your room set some time apart why does he say that because when we do that we put away all distractions all the expectations We're not looking over our shoulders, seeing who's looking at me when I sing, who's looking at me when I pray, who's looking at me if I have to lift up my hands right now in this moment. Away from all of that, and we can really just fall into his presence in that moment. So we can do that by prayer, by reading scripture, and then also, you have to check your heart and your intentions. Because again, we wanna come into this aspect with the right attitude, with the right intention. Because man, I don't know about parents, I love it when, my, when I tell my daughter, hey, can you go clean your room? And the, she doesn't talk back, no attitude. She, all she says is, yes, daddy, I'll go right away. Like, yes, awesome. That's a good day. But when I say, Maddie, can you go clean your room? And I'll hear, oh, my gosh. And I hope we don't fall into that same way when it comes to, like, God calling us into a moment of solace, into a moment where he says, I need you to do this. Let our heart be, yes, Lord, because I want to do that, because I have this desire to be close to you. And again, it's so easy to kind of fall into this routine of it all, because that's what happened at the time of Jesus, and it's not happening here, right, Lighthouse? It's not happening here, because we know that we need to be in this moment with God, find him, seek him, truly desire to have that relationship with him, because I would hate it. I would hate it that God is trying to do things. He's trying to move people. He's trying to send me to minister to someone, and I'm too busy just trying to look the part rather than really hear his voice and really be attuned to what it is that he's trying to do in our time.
2: Um, I wanted just to, first of all, just thank Pastor and his wife, give honor where honor is due. I grew up in church, and you I wasn't given much opportunity to speak, but I knew from when I was younger, like I wanted to speak into people. So I'm thankful for that. Um, And I had a verse, but the last moment I decided to change it or God decided to change it. So I'm going to be reading out of Revelation 2, 2 to 4. And it says, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and had found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. And I'm going to be speaking on the way of prayer. Uh, We can bow our heads and just pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you just thanking you for this opportunity, Lord. I pray that you use me as your mouthpiece as this seed is planted in the hearts that we are able to take this and give fruition in its time, God. That your Holy Spirit begin to work right now. And I believe all of this and I worship you for what you're going to do. In your name we pray, amen. So our first love as Christians is God himself over and above his work. His provision or even his people, we have to go back to our first love. Um, have you guys ever been waiting around for a phone call? You know, um, when my husband and I were dating, uh, he would get off at work at three, and every day I would kind of wait for his phone call. I remember one time we got into a discussion, an argument, and I was still waiting for his phone call, he did not call me. Um, <laughs> I would sneak off to the bathroom, take a little bathroom break to answer his call because I get off at five. Instead, about an hour and a half later, I got a MySpace message. <laughs> how many of you remember MySpace? Right? Right? We were the original OG coders. So when they did, do you know how to code? I do. I would code my own music into my profile. Um, yeah. So he didn't call me. It was a MySpace message and. Yeah, that was a whole other ordeal. I married him, so I forgave him. (laughs) So how about your kids? When you try calling your kids, right, and they don't pick up, and you're calling and calling and calling, and then they finally pick up, and you're just, like, it's almost like you bother them, right? Like, what do you want? It's like, I just want to hear your voice. Are you okay? What are you guys doing, you know? Or the worst, when you call them, and then they text you back, what's up, right? (laughs) What's up? And it's like, I'm just trying to communicate with you. You know, we have so many forms of communication, yet we are incapable of handling personal, intimate communication, which is what prayer is. And I, my mom is here. The Holy Spirit is convicting me. Sorry, Mom, for not picking up your calls. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I'm going to do better. I, I'm going to try to do better. But the logo's definition of prayer is direct conversation and communion with God. Whether vocal, silent, planned, or spontaneous, individual, or corporate, prayer, according to scripture, is not a form of magic. It's not manipulation or an appeasement of spiritual forces to get what you want. It's not a mental state of mind. According to scripture, it is a direct conversation with God. And when I was touching on this topic, studying about it, um, I had to put some things into perspective, and I want you to take this with you, is There is nothing I'm going to be able to say to you that is going to be new under the sun, some sort of revelation about prayer. I can tell you, you should pray. We all know we should pray. Um, And what I have seen, though, is that the church operates with prayer in this low-level guilt that either you don't pray or you don't pray enough. And so the last thing that would be helpful to you is for me to just shame or guilt you into praying because that's not what the Holy Spirit does. What it does do is convicts, you know, it convicts the foundation of anything that we do begins with prayer and ends with prayer. Yeah. Um, so I really want to take with, I really want you to take his word today and that it lands in a way that you don't forget it. Um, for a moment, I want you, if you can close your eyes where you're at and life is noisy, right? My house is noisy, my world is noisy, maybe your house isn't noisy, your thoughts are noisy, right? And I want you to just imagine yourself with all of that noise just getting taken up into space, right? You're escaping all the noise, and now you, you hear the noise of, of space, of the stars just zooming by you, right? Whoosh, whoosh, the violent orbit of the planets. It's loud, right? It's loud, And then I want you to just position yourself back in your seat where you're at. As you're coming back, you know, you hear the traffic, you hear all of this noise. And you know what? With all that noise, God wants to hear you, and he hears you in the midst of all of that. David said, he said, when I look up into the sky, you guys can open your eyes. (laughs) the vastness of the universe. And keep in mind, David had no access to what we have right now with the planets, all this, you know, um, technology that we have. He just saw lights in the sky, and he goes, when I look up into the sky, the vastness of your glory, who am I that you would think of me? Who am I that you want to hear from me? Who am I that you want anything to do with me? And the first thing that sometimes maybe we don't understand about prayer, it's a beautiful thing, is that he wants to hear from you. Since the beginning of time, the Bible days, everything he's ever done is to have just a relationship with you. So much so that he he killed, if I could say that, you know, his own son, so that you have access to him. How do you do that? It's through prayer. Maybe you grew up with a dad or father figure, some authoritative figure that, you know, it was type of an obedience thing, leave, leave, do what I say, you know, don't ask me questions and your life will be fine, it'll be good. And sometimes we, we try to access God in that way where it's like, let me do this and then everything will go fine, you know, that's how we think of prayer, checking it off. But it's like, no, God wants you to tell him your problems. He, want, he says, come and sit here with me, let me hear from you. Let me hear what you have to tell me. I've been wanting for you to talk to me, just like when we call our children. It's like I just want to hear you. Are you okay? Why have you forgotten me? I am your first love. Where have you gone? Um. So the number, the second thing I wanted to say about this is your heart's posture when God answers your prayer. You know, sometimes we don't always get the answer we want. There's times, and even here in the church, where. It's not gonna be the yes you wanted. It. It's not gonna be the okay. It's gonna be a no. It's gonna be a silence. And that's what kills me is silence. So when we begin to develop a life devoted to prayers, it turns into faith and faith for self at first, but then it develops into faith for others. The gospel and faith begins to speak into others. We come into a maturity and we no longer seek to be served the word of God speak to us, but the gospel stops becoming about us. And what happens with that is that we begin just this relationship of knowing who God is, the confidence we have. And in my experience is, I am willing to stand in the trenches when I see a need. I am willing to stand in the breach. I'm willing to get a little dirty, and I'm willing to let go of pride, ego, and how I look, because I have the confidence and knowing That I have communion with God and showing, he has showed me the need of that person. And I'm able to allow him to use me as a mouthpiece. And why is all this necessary? Because everything we do is all done unto the glory of God. It has to be done unto the glory of God. So the yes you receive, the no, the silence, and the end, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. And the last example I want to give, um, number three, it says, uh, he responds. In Hebrew 5-7, it says, In the days of flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. This text says he was heard, but Jesus did not get the answer he wanted. God said, look, I hear you, and as much as I want to go ahead and say, no, you don't have to die on the cross, you're going to have to die on the cross, because that is the will I have for you. And so while you may think the answer that you're getting is not what you want, imagine if if Jesus was able to change God's mind and be like, all right, I hear your cries. It says that he cried blood tears. I see your tears, so you don't have to die. Where would our hope be at for eternity, Right? So in conclusion, number one, God hears you. He wants you to talk to him. He longs for direct conversation with you. It's a beautiful gift that you have with him that he has given to you. It's not exclusive. It's not a special ministry. We are all called to a life of prayer. The foundation of our walk with God begins with prayer and ends with prayer. You need to position your heart to being vulnerable through prayer, acknowledging that he is sovereign, no matter the answer, and that his ways are better than yours. And whatever the answer is, know that he has it all in control, knowing that it's all for his glory, even if it's not what you wanted. And I want to conclude just with the prayer. You want to close your eyes there? Um, I have a few questions as we close out. Have Have I forsaken my first love? Maybe I've cheapened conversations with God like some sort of fling that is available to me only when I am in need. And in spite of this and in spite of me, He still hears me. He wants to hear you so badly. God, I don't like to pray, maybe. I don't know how to pray. I've lost my first love with you. And that's okay. You're in good company. There's a lot of examples. But I want to be vulnerable before you, Lord. Teach me to pray. Begin a convicting Holy Spirit work that when I wake up, it's through prayer because of prayer. You're my first hello and you're my last goodbye. And I want to leave you with that, church. God bless you guys.